We're continuing our sermon series this morning called Three Big Questions. Asking the hard questions that if we're all honest, we all ask. Um, but many of us either don't have the answer to or maybe looking for a new answer to. Many of us ask these questions when we come across a big transition in our life, whether it's a new life stage or whether it is because of circumstances of grief or suffering or because of something we've done that we want to do differently. Many of us begin to ask these questions, who am I? Where do I belong? What is my purpose? Today we are talking about that second question, where do I belong? And as I began to look at this question, you begin to realize that there's many different places where we seek belonging, where we seek connection and community, where we desire to fit in. And what I realize and recognize today is that many of us are also asking, do I belong? Is this where I belong? Do, but do I belong? Do I belong anywhere? In 1939, a wandering girl found herself spinning in a house that landed somewhere very far from home. And in this magical new place, as she began to follow a yellow brick road, she met many new friends and she began to experience very, a lot of different magical adventures. But as she began to experience these adventures, all along, all she wanted to do was return home. As if she began to realize no matter how beautiful the place was, no matter how magical the surroundings were, she didn't quite fit in there. She didn't quite belong there. And at the very end of the movie, as she misses her ride to go back to her home and begins to cry, there's a beautiful witch who comes to her and says, you had the power all along. And tells her to click her heels three times and say what? There's no place like home. And Dorothy decides that there's no place like home and returns from this colorful, magical area, village, place, and goes back to this boring black and white farm with these ordinary people. And she could not be more excited because home is where she belongs. She belongs with the people who know her. She belongs in the place that accepts her and loves her. The world maybe can show us a lot of really magical things and exciting things and can draw us to places where we think we might fit and that could really provide us happiness. But maybe like Dorothy, we find ourselves lacking in those places, wondering, how do I get back home? Where is home? Where do I belong? This question of belonging is the question of our generation. It is the question that we find ourselves asking over and over again. The theologian and writer Henry Nouwen says that the epidemic of our time is homelessness. Now, Henry Nouwen said that not recently. He is an older, um, uh, actually deceased uh, theologian who wrote this over 30 years ago. But when he defines the definition of homelessness, he is not just talking about the physical state of not having a home. He is talking about the spiritual state and the emotional state of homelessness. In other words, the state of isolation, the state of not belonging. 
Brene Brown maybe more recently said it like this, we are hardwired for connection. Brene Brown is an author and a social, um, social activist who does a lot of work in this question of vulnerability and community and belonging. And she talks a lot about how in order to be courageous, we must bring all of ourselves, not just the parts that we want people to see, but all of who we are. We have to be vulnerable. And if we want belonging, we must have vulnerability. And I love that line when she says, we are hardwired for connection. We can't get away from it. It's not something that we can be without. We are hardwired. There is something in us as humans that is hardwired for connection. Now, maybe you don't know this, but Brene Brown is a Christian. She's even a United Methodist. And I think that maybe she came up with that term hardwired for connection because she read some good scriptures and some ones like we're going to read today where Jesus talks about this connection. Today we're reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Listen now for the connection, both to God and each other. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this than to lay down his life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from the Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. This is a familiar passage in scripture, and that word abide is a familiar word that we come to over and over again. In this one scripture, it appears over and over again. Jesus is almost being repetitive and redundant with this phrase, abide in me, abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. 
Today, in the midst of this three big questions series, I want to invite um, you to ponder three big statements around belonging. Because if we are to ask the question, where do I belong and do I belong, then maybe there's some important statements that need to be made around that, especially in the church. Because first and foremost, yes, you do belong. And I want to hopefully make the case this morning that you belong here. That nobody belongs here in this place, this church, more than you. So why do you belong? Because Jesus said it is not good for man to be alone. Let me try that again because Jesus didn't say that. At the very beginning of our scripture, in the very beginning of time, when God created man, what did God say? God said, it is not good for man to be alone. In the same way that Brene Brown says we are hardwired for connections, in the same way that Jesus talks about these vines and branches and their interconnectedness, God from the very beginning said, you are created to be with one another. I appointed you to bear fruit, but you cannot bear fruit if you are not connected to each other. We are made to be with one another because it is not good for us to be alone. Now, Jesus says in the scripture that the vine and the the branches that do not bear fruit are cut off and thrown away. But if we combine it with this other scripture at the very beginning in Genesis where God says it is not good for man to be alone, what we see is that it is not only just unhelpful because you don't bear fruit, there's actually something harmful that happens when we are not connected to one another. This is what you see in the brokenness of our world. When we are not connected in the way that God has called us to, we not only do not bear fruit, but we become diseased, we become disabled, we become people who are more focused on death than we are on life. I wonder if you see some of that disease around you today. I wonder if you see people who are longing for connections, who are just looking for a place to belong, and in their isolation and in their hurt, they become harmful to the people around them to the places around them. So much of the brokenness of our world we could point back to if we begin to continue to ask why and say, it's because we need each other. It's because that person was isolated. It was because that person needed someone speaking into their life. It was because that community needed other people to look at their situation and say, it's not good for you to be alone, and you are human and dignified just as I am because God says that you are, and step into those places with one another. We talk about witness a lot, but in this scripture today, in the very foundation of who we are as Christians, we have this idea of with Witness. That if we want to be disciples, if we want to bear fruit, we have to be connected to the vine. It's just not good for us to be alone. So why do you belong? Because it's not good for you to be alone. I never like it when my mom tells me it's just not good for me. I tend to want to do something more often when it 
is not good for me. But anyways, it's not good for us to be alone. Why do you belong? Number two, belonging means that you're a part of something bigger than yourself. We all have a longing to be part of something bigger than ourselves. It's why many of us are here today. It's why many of us cheer for different, um, different sports and different teams. If you've ever been to a high school game and you see the high school student section, some of them, even though their teams are really terrible, all get in the stands, all get dressed up, all get really rowdy because it is good to be part of something that is bigger than yourself it is exciting it is encouraging we're called to be something part of something bigger than ourselves this is the image of the vine and the branches we don't have to be the vine the vine is something bigger than ourselves we do not have to be the vine grower the vine grower is something bigger than ourselves we simply get to be a part of it And because we are the branch and because we are a part of it, we get to be part of bearing that fruit. Something happens when we connect to God and to each other. And we have a word for this in the church. It's called ministry. When we connect more closely to God and when we connect to each other, we call this ministry. Now, sometimes you might hear other people talk about the church and go, oh, gosh, that activity that they did and they put on, oh, that's so great. It's so great that they have those activities for those children and youth. Well, those are not simply activities because we're not just doing something. They're ministry. They're ministry because it is providing a space to connect with God and to connect with one another. Take Broadway Cafe. The youth come and they rehearse and they get together with one another and they give of their gifts and their time and their talents to put on this show for us to raise money to go on a choir tour. Now, many of you have either probably been on a camp or a mission trip or a choir tour, but on Friday night, has Ben stepped forward and asked that we as a church help to support through our financial donations this particular trip. I was reminded of what we are doing when we support our youth and what our youth are doing when they go on things like choir trip and sing music all over the country. They're not just giving of their gifts, they are providing ministry. And we as a church are providing ministry because we are creating a safe, emotional, emotionally safe place for students to come and to connect to one another. Because it is in that connection that we see fruit bear. It's in that connection that we see faith grow. It is in that connection that we see who we are called to be as the people of God in connection with one another. It's ministry. It's a place that tells you that nobody belongs here more than you. Finally today, why do you belong? Why do you belong here It is the great gift of the church. It is the great gift of the witness of Jesus that God tells us that we are able to go from contract to covenant. We move from contract relationships to covenant relationships. So many of our relationships on the day-to-day are all about transaction. 
I give you something, you give me something. I do something for you, I expect something in return. And what happens is when that contraction comes into the church, when that contract comes into the church, this place becomes a convenience store, not a place of ministry. But all throughout Scripture, what we hear God doing with God's people is covenant. We hear covenant over and over again, which means that we have a kind of relationship where God desires for us to be about people who are accepting, giving, and growing, not for looking for something or expecting something in return, but completely immersed in that belonging. What does covenant look like? We talk about covenant a lot when we're in marriage. We talk about the marriage covenant, that it's not just a contract you sign, but it's instead a covenant that you make with one another. It goes beyond who did this and who did that, and did you uphold your end or did I uphold my end? It is instead a partnership. And what God tells us and the good news for us is that God desires to be in partnership with us. I am constantly amazed that God uses us, that God desires of us to be about the work of God in this world. God doesn't desire a contract from us. God desires a covenant. Jesus says in this scripture, abide in me and I in you. That word abide comes from the Latin word abode, which means home. So maybe another translation of this scripture is, make your home in me as I have made my home in you. What do we know about home? Home is the place where we belong. Home is the place where we do not have to do anything to be accepted. We don't have to be anybody but who we are. Last week we talked about identity. And what you'll see over these three weeks is that identity is connected to belonging and belonging is connected to purpose. But home is one of those places where you don't have to wear the labels. And it may not even be a place as much as it is a feeling. A feeling that you can rest in knowing that you belong, that you are accepted, that you are forgiven, that you are loved, that you are challenged, that you are poured into just as others pour into you. We desire as a church to be a second home. What I pray for this community is not just that we are a convenience store or a place that you come on Sunday mornings or a place where you hope to get something out of it, but if not, then maybe we'll find somewhere else. My prayer is that you make this place, as you make a covenant with God, that you make your place here a home where you don't have to hold all things all at once, where you don't have to be anyone else. You can simply be you. And know that you belong. And know that you belong because I'm up here saying it, but you belong because Jesus says it, and we follow Jesus. Make your home in me because I have already made my home in you. I have already said to you that you belong. So come and belong in the house of God with me. 
There are two places in the church where we celebrate this idea of home, uh, this idea of belonging, this covenant that we've made with God to belong to God and to belong to each other and to continue that connection. Now, when I go home from a trip, you know, similar to Dorothy, I say there's no place like home, especially after a really long trip or a long road trip. Gosh, there's two things I want to do when I get home. I want to eat and I want to take a shower. I want to just be cleansed of all the other stuff that has gone on and I want to feel better after a long road trip. So I take a shower and I lay down on my couch and I eat something that feels good to me. Do you know we kind of do that in the church? Except we have this big churchy word for it called sacraments. We have two sacraments in the life of our church, baptism and communion. Ordinary things like food and water, where we remind ourselves that we don't have to be something extraordinary, that God uses the ordinary to cleanse us, to make us new, to fill us so that we can be whole. So today, we are practicing one of those sacraments. We are celebrating one of those sacraments. I missed an opportunity to buy a bunch of goldfish, I know, with all of the bowls of water on your table. But we are going to do this thing called reaffirmation of baptism this morning. And again, that's a big churchy word that says we are going to touch water. Remember that in our baptism, God says you are beloved, you belong. I want to read to you a piece of the baptismal covenant that we say when someone's baptized in the church. Baptism is a three-part covenant between God, covenant, you hear that word again? God, the one being baptized, and the church. You hear that? God, the one being baptized, and the church. It is a covenant initiated by God who reaches out to all without, with unconditional love, provenient grace, that's grace that is available to us before we even know it. Then the person being baptized or the parents of the child being baptized make a promise, make a covenant with God and the congregation. What I love about baptism is that there's this covenant that is made not only for the parents, not only for the person being baptized, but for the entire church. The entire church says when someone is baptized, when we are welcoming someone home, to the choice of being cleansed, forgiven, for celebrating God's grace in their life and a commitment and a covenant to walk with God and God's people. What we are saying is we will walk alongside them because it is not good for us to be alone, because we are hardwired for connection, because it is important to be part of something bigger than ourselves, because this is the covenant that God has made with us. Here's what we say in baptism. Sisters and brothers in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, God's spirit has been poured out upon water. Water poured over and immersing us. Water that flows freely for all who will receive it. Water from the streams of God's saving power and justice. Water that brings hope to all who thirst for righteousness. Water that refreshes Life nurtures growth and offers new birth. 
Today, we come to the waters to renew our commitments in each other's presence, to Christ who has raised us, the Spirit who has birthed us, and the Creator who is making all things new. You see, baptism seems pretty ordinary. It's just water. But it is something that we cannot live without. It is a necessity to our life. It is a necessity to this church, to being the body of Christ. So as we remember our baptism today, my prayer for you and my prayer for me is not only that you remember that you belong here, but that every other person sitting around you also belongs here. That that isolation, that aloneness is not what God has called us to. And the work of welcoming someone home is work that we have to continue to be about. I want you to imagine what you would do if you were inviting and welcoming someone into your home. How would you treat them? What would you say? And what would you do if this was a second home? And I was the host, and you are the host, so that every person walking in this door, we get to say, welcome. Nobody belongs here more than you.